who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Previously on Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Oh my god, last season, season one, we talked about a whole bunch of things. We met Buffy and Willow and Xander and Angel and, and Cordelia. Cordelia. Wow. And Ms. Calendar and Principal Snyder and the Master and the Anointed One. R.I.P. Principal Flutie. R.I.P. the Master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Herbert yeah. the Pig also. Yep, R.I.P. R.I.P. Okay, so we met all those people and a bunch of people died. And, and we learned that Angel is a vampire, but he has a soul. Oh my god, and also that he's very attractive. Yes. Um, and, 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 and. We learned that Xander can be problematic. <laughs> we learned that Jenny Calendar is a techno-pagan. Hyenas can possess you. Witches are trapped inside statues at Sunnydale High School. And sometimes a gigantic she-mantis just wants to try and mate with some virgin teen human boys. Exactly. We learned that if you ignore people for long enough, they actually disappear. Oh, and we learned that Owen just wanted to date Buffy because she was dangerous. Ugh, Owen. All right, well, I think that... <laughs> <laughs> That's the sum total of everything we learned last season. Let's move right on to season two. Yeah. to the very first episode of season two of Buffering the Vampire Slayer. This is a podcast where we're watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time. I'm Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And this week we're discussing season two, episode one, When She Was Bad. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast this week and every week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we're discussing. Speaking of songs, Jenny, now... That they can all listen to all of the songs that we wrote from season one. You should probably tell them where they can find them. What a great question. You can find them on iTunes. You can find them on Spotify. You can find them on Amazon Digital. You can find them on Google Play. They're all over the place. Wherever you get digital music, there's a pretty good chance 
You can find Buffering the Vampire Slayer songs from season one. We also have just a few CDs left, I think, in our online yeah, store. Yeah, I think we just have, I think we have a handful. Deal. Yeah. Um, also, we want to let you know that if you are in the Los Angeles area, we are doing a live taping of Buffering the Vampire Slayer on February 2nd at Nerd Melt Showroom. What? You, I know. It's so exciting. It's our first live taping because we did our show in New York, uh, which, by the way, you can listen to that whole thing over at patreon.com slash bufferingcast. Um, but we did that show in New York, which was more of a music show. We played through the songs and we did a few interviews. It was super fun. But this is like straight up us sitting down and doing our episode live in front of an audience. So I'm nervous and excited. So nervous, so excited. Yeah, it's going to be great. We're going we're to have, some... have to be way better at this than we currently are. No, we're going to be fine. It's going to be great. Okay, okay. They'll just see us mess up and then we can edit the file. Hooray! <laughs> so if you want to see us mess up, you just go to nerdmeltla.com and you can find out more about tickets and all of that good stuff. February 2nd, I believe it starts at 7 p.m. And now, let us get back to talking about the episode. When She Was Bad was written and directed by Joss Whedon and originally aired September 15th, 1997. This is the one where Buffy is so mean. Oh, do you say this? Yeah! I'm sorry. The heck? This is the one where Buffy returns home from summer vacation sporting an attitude and also suffering from a recurring nightmare involving the master. Meanwhile, the anointed one and his followers plot their revenge. (laughs) I read the summaries off of imdb.com. You're welcome. Would you like to hear the summary I wrote when I forgot that I don't say the this is the one where? Yes. This is the one where Buffy is so mean because she's working through her issues around the fact that she died last season. (laughs) Also pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, I actually, I have a feeling that I will always prefer your written version (laughs) over IMDb's. No offense, IMDb. IMDb, you're doing great work. Thank you. So here we are. Top of season two. Oh, my gosh. Buffy has new hair. Right. Uh, (laughs) Xander and Willow are hanging out, just waiting for her to get back from L.A. with her new hair. Yes. Uh, Hanging around, talking to each other, playing rock, paper, scissors. Oh, my God. One of my first notes is, of course Xander is always scissors. And then I wrote the patriarchy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, but it really just bothered me. Mm -hmm. You know? And I was, like, typical. I feel that. You know, I don't have any further explanation, but discuss amongst yourselves. <laughs> so <laughs> so they're playing a game where they each say a movie quote. Yes. Uh, and the other has to tell them what the movie, what movie that quote is a from. Great I game. was thinking maybe we could play that just one round really Oh, quick. my gosh. Oh, gosh. Are you ready? You didn't prepare me, though. I don't I have know. a quote. Well, you can think of one. Oh, God. Okay. Think of one while I ask you yours. Okay. Which is, okay, the quote is, I know my way around the kitchen. In a Scottish accent. I have no idea. Okay, how about... I'm, ho- I'm going to be horrible at this game, I promise you. How about Spared No Expense? Same movie. <laughs> how about... These are things I say all the time, by the way, just for you guys at home. <laughs> how about Clever Girl? Oh, Jurassic Park. Yes! <laughs> Sorry, I wouldn't know the intricate... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, in a Scottish accent. Yeah, is John Hammond Scottish? I'm not actually sure. I don't know. But anyway. I should have just guessed Jurassic Park before you said your quote. Right? Which that would have, have been amazing. Which would have been my guess. That, if you, ah. before you if, if you had given me no quote. Hmm. Um, okay, okay, wait. Let me think of one. Okay, okay. Okay, I have a quote. Okay, hit me. Do you like scary movies? <laughs> 
You know what's funny is Scream was my first guest before you gave me a quote. Uh, well, at least we know each other well. Yeah. Also, Scream, I, I chose Scream because it relates to this scene. Yes. Because we just learned that, so Xander, we all notice that Buffy's hair is different and Xander makes a comment about her new hair. Mm-hmm. And I just read that the reason that Buffy's hair is different is because in between filming seasons one and two, she filmed Scream 2, where she got a hair change. <laughs> yeah, so hair change. We ha- We get to thank Wes Craven for Buffy's new hairstyle, yes, which, thanks, as you know from listening to me in season one, is absolutely my favorite way that could have gone. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So uh, right before she shows up, uh, and we're seeing... Mm, you guys, that was the most terrifying moment of my life. <sighs> so Jenny was like, I was like, scream, Wes Craven, horror movies, and, and Buffy. And then Jenny started to talk, and a man ran down our walkway... It's okay. He was just from Amazon. I don't know if you can hear the truck pulling away. <laughs> but I thought that we were going to... It was... Whoo. You thought he wanted to know if we like scary movies? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, we made it through. Unscathed. <sighs> Anyhow, continue. Oh, right before Buffy shows up, we're seeing Willow and Xander get closer and closer yeah. and closer. And they almost kiss, but then there's a vampire who like must have seen their ad on, you know... Couples for threesome with vamp on Craigslist <laughs> dash Sunnydale. Uh-huh. And uh, he just sort of pops up in between them in an, I'm sorry, unrealistically close fashion. Well, they're uh, both entranced. Fair. Okay. They are entranced. Uh, Which and- I don't remember at all. This happened and I was like, I, now I know I've seen these episodes. Yeah. And I have no recollection of that. And I decided the reason I didn't remember was because nobody meant anything to me at this point when I was watching season right, two. Right, right, right. But also you have a no memory. That also is, thing is true. To consider. Um, also true. So Xander, uh, you know, very heroically pushes Willow back and gets in a punch before Buffy shows up and delivers a chest kick that sends this vampire up and out into the out-sticking branch of a tree. To which I exclaimed, the old twig in the back trick. (laughs) And then Jenny laughed a lot. Just like that. (laughs) I'm consistent. Also, like a solid fucking backhand, Xander. Yeah. He, like, swings his whole entire arm straight. Like that's the that's the way that punch happens. I, well, he's just working with what he's got. It was great. Yeah, well, I'm giving him credit. And then speaking, speaking of, of credits, credits. <laughs> uh, look at these cr- mm, look at these credit editions. David Boreanaz is there. There are like yeah. three new video clips that I think we see all of in this episode. Yeah, I tried to write them down, but I didn't get them all. But the the three that I noticed, one is Xander looking shocked. <laughs> I don't believe that's in season one. The then one is Buffy like coming up from grass, like it's yeah, like yeah, eye level grass, mm-hmm, and she's mm-hmm. coming out. And then the third one, of course, is the one with four bodies swinging through the oh, frame. Oh, that. And then also her dusting a vampire from behind, which happens at the okay. end of this episode. Okay. Um, oh wow! So two moments from this episode are in the credits. Yeah, I guess they don't have that much filmed when they decide yeah. the credit. Versus season one, where they had all the episodes filmed before ah. they went to air. Uh, also, another important addition to the credits is there's now a sound effect that occurs when Buffy is firing a crossbow at the ver- like towards the end of the credits. What, what does it sound like? like? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't notice. Yeah. Well, just go back and check it out. Okay. It's there. 
post-credits, they're catching up. They're I... like, yo, we buried the master right over there. Yo, we wore yo, some wait. Robes. I have so many questions. I have oh. like a series of questions. Okay. Okay. Apparently all I did for the first five minutes was write questions. Sure. I have, how did Buffy miss the master's burial? Also, why is she so mad when they ask her about seeing Giles over the summer? Also, how does she get the summer off? <laughs> Those were all, all of my immediate questions. Right, 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 right. Okay, wait. So start at the top there. Well, how did she miss right. the barrel? It was only prom. It wasn't the end of the. It wasn't great. It wasn't like. Well, some people have prom at the end of the the very end of the year. Well, yeah, like in May or June. Well, I'm pretty sure you, that episode aired in May. So, but you don't end school. It's not like prom happens and then you never go back to school again. But I think some schools are set up that way. Lies. Uh, Lies. I don't think it's a lie. I think some schools tell are set me up lies, that way. Tell me, sweet okay. little lies. And then what was your second question? About school getting out before prom even happens. What? What? <laughs> oh, boy. What was your second question? My second. You oh, didn't why is she so mad? Answer my first oh. question, but. Oh, well, okay. So I'm telling you. <laughs> my answer you, to your you question think is that Buffy was some like... schools position prom all the way at the end. Okay. So it happens like essentially after graduation or but whatever. Even... But even then. Buffy, okay, Buffy probably had a plan to go visit her dad that, it, you know, she, it's not like she can be like, Dad, I can't come see you for the summer because I have to slay. Also, but she's assuming that the majority of Helmuth activity is uh, over for the time being because she just killed the master. Also, but- she just died. So she probably, even if she wasn't scheduled to leave for her dad's right away, she probably was like, and I'm just going to move that trip up a little bit. And get the hell out of here. Okay, fine. My second question was, why is she so mad when they ask her if she's seen Giles? Because Giles is the symbol of the death experience she just had. Okay, okay, okay. I just, yeah, I mean, right. Like, there's a lot going on, and we're going to talk about it because we have a podcast about the show. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot going on for Buffy in this episode because she's dealing with the trauma that was experienced at the end of uh, last season, for sure. But it just seemed so specific to me. I mean, I guess it it becomes more clearer once we're seeing, like, the nightmares that she's having and, like, Mm -hmm. how tied into this Giles is. But, okay, so you answered. Great job. Two out of two, Jenny. And then my third question was also, how does she get the summer off? Well, I think it's the kind of deal. I feel like that was part of my answer for right. number one, right? Like plans to go visit your dad who's not married to your mom anymore and li- lives in a different city. That's probably going to happen whether or not you're the slayer because it's not like your mom knows you're the slayer or your right. dad knows you're right. the slayer. So, they, so, so the Hellmouth just has to sit unattended because they can't be public about the fact that Buffy is the slayer. Yeah. I mean, but they also have reason to believe that they just thwarted the major big bad force in town and they haven't seen a vampire all summer. So Right, 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 right. It's just convenient. Like, <laughs> does say, every season end at the summer? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. We'll have to look it up. Um, here's something else. What is the something else I was just going to say? The library's looking great. It's almost yes. as if the Hellmouth had never opened and a giant squiggly demon had never, yeah. you know, scrambled all its tentacles out of the hole. How do you think Principal Snyder denied, like, reality for that cleanup? I think he's skilled. Yeah. At denying reality. He's like, interesting. Crack in the floor and slime everywhere. Kids these days. (laughs) Yeah, so my next uh, next notes in this episode are like, 
me screaming as every character enters. Right, right. right? So I'm like, Cordy, Snyder, Jenny Callender, like all yeah. in a row. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But we can start with Cordelia. Sure, who's wondering if it's possible to have too much character. Right. Great um, question, Cordelia. Great question. Also, I think Cordy, I think Charisma Carpenter has a really bad cold in this episode. Dude, yes, her voice is so like raspy. Or she was just doing some extracurricular cheerleading between seasons or something and like blew her voice out. <laughs> yeah. One of the other. Or that. <laughs> um, so yeah, Cordelia enters in true Cordelia fashion. Oh yeah. With her cordettes. Talking <laughs> two to her. new cordettes. I don't think we've yeah, seen before. Yeah, they're brand new cordettes. I mean, one can never have too many cordettes. Sure, sure. Right? You need a fleet. And it then takes a village. And then we get this wonderful Snyder, yeah. Giles. I love when Snyder and Giles inter- interact. It's great. It's so fantastic. And I feel like not only is it fantastic because of their characters and like they're just polar opposite characters doing the same job essentially, you know, right, within right, right. school anyhow. Um, but also because they're both such incredible actors. I just feel like they. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of joy that you can see that they both have. Yeah. That they get to act with each other. Yeah, you yeah. know. Um, so yeah, we. Th- you know, and this is a great scene. Right, 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 right. Where he's he's uh, talking about how uh, you know basically the hormones of teenagers and how uh, boys are reduced to gibbering idiots when there's like a pretty girl around. And of course, Giles doesn't really hear him because he's too busy becoming a gibbering idiot because Ms. Calendar just got there. Yeah. Uh, then they're connecting. They're heading to the teacher's lounge. She's like, I went to Burning Man. <laughs> I went to, of course she I did. I went to Burning Man. And then she does, she has the same intonation. So she's like, you know, Giles is like, I read a book. That's probably super boring to you. And Jenny Calendar is like, depends on the book, which is exactly how she said, like, that's not where it dangles. Yes. <laughs> she has like one intonation for yeah. flirting and that is it. And it's very effective. It, why, if it ain't broke, why add a second one that is less broke? It is effective on Giles and Jenny. <laughs> like my wife, Jenny. Oh, me. Yes, you. Like it's a fa- it works on both Giles and Jenny Owen Young's. Yeah. Uh, Jenny Calendar's. Jenny flirting. Calendar says something, and I like look over sideways at Kristen. Like, did you just hear that? Yeah. And then, so, but sometimes you stand up or like get you like rise up in your seat. You get very excited. <laughs> You're like, I, look what just happened. To be fair, I do that for a lot of things. Yes, just that's true. For those of you at home who aren't familiar with what watching television next to me is like, <laughs> so then. uh Xander, Willow, and Buffy pull up to yes. Giles and Ms. Calendar, and Sarah Michelle Geller with some fantastic eyeball acting. Ooh. Uh, where she, you know, Xander and Willow both say something, I believe, to Giles and Well, Ms. Xander or says, says G-Man, which is G-Man. such a bummer. When we watched the episode three for the first time, it was really perfect because Xander was like, G-Man, and Jenny was like, no. And then Giles was like, never call me that again. <laughs> <laughs> and you were so excited that Giles laid down Jenny's law in that yes, moment. Yes, Jenny's law. <laughs> hmm. um, so so uh, Xander and Willow both interact with him, and then Buffy's kind of hanging back, and she like looks at Giles and looks away really fast. And it's just like, I see you, you know? Yeah, same more. So, somebody that you're scared to talk to, mm-hmm. somebody that you don't want to talk to. Right. Kristen, you've seen me make a, an about face and try to just escape physical situations. I have, so many times, starting with the very beginning of our relationship, as a matter oh, of yeah. fact. I'll, I'll tell you this fun story. 
uh, right when Jenny and I were first starting to get to know each other and like flirting and Jenny was like not interested and I was flirting and Jenny was like not interested, I went to see one of Jenny's shows and I crested the top of the staircase at Irving Plaza, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, Jenny was out there at the merch table. She had not gone backstage yet. And I was like, oh, and I went to say, hey, and she made direct eye contact with me, spun on her heel and walked in the opposite direction. I like to avoid uncomfortable situations whenever possible. So, yeah. So you really identified with this Buffy moment. I really did. So we immediately go from this moment in the hallway to Buffy being trained. Yeah, with some, like, rock music and, like, a lot of, like, kicks and, like, a battering of Giles and a with huge, a bow. huge uh, moment for a stunt double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stunt double is... Living, but but Michelle, but Sarah Michelle Geller has has definitely been training on punches. I think because yes. there are there are a couple of scenes where it is on her face and she's punching, and it's very apparent that she's been doing some work uh, to mm-hmm. to know how to like punch even better than she could punch in season one. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and she's and, working herself up into a froth. And yeah, Giles she, is looking more and more concerned. Right, she snaps the the thing the, like, in punch half. dummy right in half. Um, and, and we hear her say in this scene a line that she will repeat over and over and over again during this episode. Um, this scene, she says, whatever they've got coming next, I'm ready. And this is just like what she continues to say. I'm fine. I'm ready. I can, I can take handle, care of myself. Yes, I can take care of myself. Um, her whole MO is like, I don't need anyone. I can fight this myself. I'm an independent human being. Everybody fuck off. I kind of hated this episode because of that. It was a real struggle for me to get It's really it. rough to watch this episode because the character you're supposed to be pulling for the hardest is not so endearing yeah. themselves to us at all. Yeah. So then we get to Buffy's nightmare. Ugh. And nobody knows it's a nightmare at first. It's so right. rough. Yeah, it's it's very craveny, I feel like, right? It's like yeah, it is so sunny. Well, it's right. It's a little sunnier, but not not enough for me to have realized that this was a nightmare, though. Right, right, right. But right, it right. does have that, like, well, because you know, it's the I'm, the, it's the scene that is exactly what you would expect to be the next scene of the right. of the show. Uh, takes this like hard turn with Giles, and you're like, what? Because you you have this moment of like, what is going on? Yeah. And then you're, and then of course, it's very apparent very quickly. I mean, to to me watching it, it was very apparent. The moment that Giles like punched her, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah you don't. Yeah. I, I this don't can't think, be. yeah, this can't be right. But and the line that precedes it, what's the line? Uh, oh, see, I thought I didn't right away. I mean, the line is terrifying, but I was like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I know, I've seen this. I know that Giles is not <laughs> like an evil character, but um, you know, it's still. I was still like, wait, what's going on? So, so yeah, but... but What's I'm, interesting is right at the beginning of their conversation, Xander has a line before you realize that it's a dream where he says, dreams are meaningful. Right. she's saying, I just uh, have, like... There's your craven. Right, dreams are meaningful. There's your meta... <laughs> right, your, your meta shit coming, coming through. And then, so this is, like, really disturbing. Giles, you know, attacks Buffy. Buffy, um, and then, like, while that attack is happening, the creepiest part mm. of the nightmare for me was that when the camera pans to Xander and Willow. Who are just going about their business they're just nothing's happening Yeah, they're just them. smiling and, and whatever, which is exactly you, dreams, you guys. You know, it's like she, she's come back, she's been traumatized, and she feels like... Xander and Willow are acting like everything's normal. She's trying to act like everything's normal. Then Giles' face comes off and it turns out that he's actually the master. And this is the first time we see a vampire in sunlight. 
Oh, the first time we see a vampire Jenny. in daylight. In fact, uh, turns out daylight. The master is still terrible to look upon. <laughs> I could have. Fruit and punch mouth, still <laughs> awful. I could have told you that. We didn't uh, have to find out. You could have <laughs> just asked me to hypothesize and I would have told you. Well, now you know. But, um, right, so she rips the, the face off. It's the master. It's scary. She wakes up. Angel's just sitting in her window being super hot. Oh, Angel. My note is Angel. Hi. <laughs> we are really... We must know each other well. Into one I person. think we might be because my note is "Oh hi, Angel in the window." Nice. And then, and then I, and then I wondered to myself, is she just mad about the master in this moment, or is she really mad that Angel didn't come over to make out? Because I think, no, I think she <laughs> is mad about the master, and also she's projecting like an extra layer of stuff onto Angel because he's a vampire. There's extra venom. Yes. But, like, maybe also a little bit because he doesn't want to make out. Well, he, she does say that she missed him, but it's too late. So right. And, probably, like... If he had woken her up by spooning her, she, maybe she would have been less grumpy. <laughs> she started by saying, like, is this a social call or are you here on business? And he was like, I'm here. It's not a social call. Yeah. So, Maybe she me, would have been... Okay, okay. If he was, like, just here because I want to spoon ya, she'd probably be like, yeah, you know. <laughs> Actually, she probably wouldn't because you're right. That whole other thing is there with the fact that he's a vampire and she's conflicted. But it, my point being, they should have just made out. The scene would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to improve any and all scenes uh, of season two is if we could just get Buffy and Angel to be making out. Yeah. Um, the music cue here I just want to talk about for one second is uh, this Alison Krauss song called It Doesn't Matter. And I believe it's played uh, sort of transitionally from, like, the end of this scene into the next scene. And uh, the lyric is, it doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what I need. It doesn't matter if I cry. Don't matter if I bleed. Wow. Which I feel like is one of the more on-the-nose music cues we've heard so far. Good song selection. Do we know how involved Joss was in the music selection? We do not. Because, you know, every time that something amazing happens musically, I wonder about his involvement because I feel like in conversations we've had, when we talked to Steven last season, you know, his whole conversation with us was about how he, when he went to audition for a part in season one, Joss had like a piano in his office Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of things that have let us know that, that Joss Whedon likes music. Which is why I know he's going to like this podcast because oh it has music in it. Whatever. But, you know, this this episode especially, right? You're talking about this Alison Krauss song. Eventually we're going to talk about Chibamato. Like in five seconds we're going to talk about right? Chibamato. Right. And, and so I just want – I just – in my mind, in my, like, fantasy of this show, like, Joss Whedon is, you know, taking a walk and he has his, like, disc man on him. And he's listening to Chibamato and he's like, oh, man – this would be great for the first episode of the second season. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and, then, mm-hmm. and then he's like, someone get me Chibo Mato. And everybody runs and they mm-hmm, get him Chibo Mato. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's how it happens. So Yeah, I don't have any intel, uh, but just based on sort of what I know about the curation of like the soundtrack and the bands that they have on the show mm-hmm. and the songs that get used in episodes, like they all seem of the same taste for the most part. Right. They all seem like they are connected to one person's taste. Right. To me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how much I'm, like, projecting or whatever, but that would be my guess. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. quite involved. Uh, the Alison Krauss song, beautifully placed. <sighs> the Alison Krauss song. 
It means yeah, a lot. Like, okay. And uh, then Buffy fucking, I know you've said it already, but this horrible heart-wrenching moment when Buffy says, I missed you too, and he's gone because you uh, waited too long, Buffy, because you're being an asshole. Yeah, she's just not <sighs> having a good time. Then she's in her car with her mom. She's not saying anything <laughs> back. My next note is Buffy, exclamation point, pant, exclamation point, suit, exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's right, wearing like a jacketless pants suit. Yeah, she's wearing like a white tank top that's tucked into and, like, dress pants. like dockers. But I mean, <laughs> Do you remember, like, what, like, that was a real thing. Yeah. We participate. We were complicit. I would wear that outfit tomorrow. Okay. It was, it's a great outfit. Okay, okay, I love that outfit. Speaking of pantsuits and all things fashion, I think this is a good time for us to hear from our dear friend Kate for a Buffy fashion watch. Yeah. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy fashion update. Welcome back to Buffy Fashion Watch as we commence our trek into the glory that is season two. I'll start this segment by saying something pretty shocking. Willow has the best outfit of this episode. I know. But in the very last scene with those pigtails and her belted jeans and that flowered shirt, she looks really cute. It's very adorable. We get Cordelia back and I know that's where you would expect me to go. And she does fine, but she's got these bangs. I just don't love. Blow-dried, brown brush, PC bangs are one of the less flattering byproducts of the 90s. There were hair highlights, except for highlights, which were kind of a low light. But anyway, what I want to see make a comeback is the makeup. Fun fact, I was actually a makeup artist before I gave up that life for the glamorous world of comic books, so I know a thing or two. This episode has some of my favorite 90s trends, and you might not agree with me, but that's fine. Brown and coppery pink lipstick heavy lip liner under metallic gloss bronzer everything in warm tones this is the era of bobby brown where the buzzwords were frosted and brownish black and everyone wanted to look like rachel on friends and frankly i think it gets more flack than it deserves here's a tip if you ever decide to do a buffy costume no matter which female character really focus on mascara more than eyeliner thin brows it was the time before everybody filled them in Actually, people were plucking them probably more than they should have. And then neutral shadows and bronzer if you feel like it. Unless you're Cordelia, of course. In which case, you probably don't give a damn what anyone says. I'll be back in two weeks. Until then, I'll see you at the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. Thank you, Kate, for that very educational makeup rundown. I didn't know any of those things. I barely know what mascara is. <laughs> that is a lie. I know you have mascara. Uh, but barely. That's true. Um, so a great place to go post-Buffy Fashion Watch is talking about Cordelia again. Right, right. Uh, because this is the moment in Do you which... agree with Kate? Pro-bang? Anti-bang? I'm pro-Cordelia. <laughs> So I just like it better when they brush them to the side in this episode rather than just combing them straight down over her forehead. Yeah, no, I mean, in the scene in the scene in the alleyway, she has them pushed to the side, right? That sounds right. I think they're only I think they're only straight down in this scene. When she's talking about right. how, okay, of course yeah. she didn't so, tell anyone about that crazy Hellmouth thing, because then she would have to tell people she was hanging out with them. Right. So yes, and I do prefer her with the bangs swept to the side. But let me tell you yeah. again, I will take Cordelia. You prefer Cordelia over no anything, Cordelia. Yes. Got it. Okay. Cordelia over anything but Cordelia. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's all for game, calling them the three musketeers. But, but, uh, ah, 
Yeah, I wrote down. I love this. This, is my, this might be my favorite Cordelia moment in the whole episode. Uh, it's a tie. It's a tie. <laughs> but but I love this because they're like Cordelia. The three Musketeers were really cool, and she's like, hmm, you have a point. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? She's not like whatever. Screw off. She's like, oh shit. Right. Yeah, I've, I'm also familiar with the the narrative arc of the three Musketeers. <laughs> Uh, okay, so yes, uh, uh, I like the um, the personal demons that Xander comes up with ex- as examples that are lust and thrift <laughs> to be yeah, avoided yeah. at all costs. Also, did nobody tell Cordelia not to tell it? Like, I I really find it hard to believe that they like kill the master, they go to prom, and no one says to Cordelia, there "Hey, are, maybe keep this on the DL." There are a lot of instances where in this show where. It's cl- a scene ends and there's no way that they didn't keep hanging out and talking about stuff. Right. But yet they'll jump to a scene like the next <laughs> morning. And it's like, so anyway, picking up right where we left off last night when we ended the conversation sharply and for no perceivable reason. Right. Uh, well, anyway, I'm glad that she did keep it quiet. Um, and then and then my, my next moment is at the bronze. So I don't know. Well, Buffy delivers a killing blow to Cordelia when she says... <sighs> You won't tell anyone I'm the Slayer, and I won't tell anyone you're a moron. And then she swishes off, and no thank you. And, like, you can tell that Cordelia is totally unaffected by it. Like, it doesn't hurt her feelings, but it hurt mine. (laughs) I was hurt. I didn't think that anybody needed to call Cordelia any bad names. That was unnecessary. Yeah, and you can see Willow's face is like, yo, what? Like, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the moment when Willow is first like, okay, something seems super off here. This is not usually how, like, we're not, these are not our normal roles, right? Uh, Cordelia should be the one saying something mean, not Buffy. Right. So Buffering, a rewatch adventure is sponsored by Care Of. Care Of is a health and wellness company that ships high quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. All you do to get started is take a short, simple online quiz about your lifestyle and health goals, and Care Of will give you doctor-backed recommendations. Their app helps you track how you're feeling and play back insights about your results over time so you can actually adjust your routine as your needs change. It's very cool. My number one health goal in this and every season is keeping my energy at maximum capacity. <laughs> A lot of little tributaries feed into that larger stream and contribute to your energy level. But a really important one is B vitamins. B for bright, for bubbly, for buoyant, for feeling better. B for buffering. I think the vitamin B is working, Jenny. (laughs) I think so, too. For 50% off your first Care Of subscription order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code Rewatch 50. That's 50% off your first care of subscription order. Just go to takecareof.com and enter code Rewatch 50. Do you know how much you have in common with some of your favorite celebrities, leaders, newsmakers? I'm Evelyn, the host of Reppin, where you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll find out who they really are and what they represent. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts. Right. Oh. Okay, right. so we get to the bronze. Chibomato uh, is there. Chibomato is playing Spoon, which is a song that I lo- I actually love both songs that they play. But Spoon, I was interested to learn because um, 
I immediately, uh, after watching this episode in the, my current context, was like, oh, they played two songs and they're from their two albums that I'm like very familiar with. I wonder why they played like one and then the other. And it turns out this episode was uh, in September 1997, right? In between Viva La Woman, which is where Sugar Water appears the first time, which was released in 1995, and Stereotype A, which came out in 1999, they released an EP called Super Relax, which was comprised of songs from both of those albums and I think a couple of covers. So Sugar Water and Spoon are both on Super Relax, which came out at the beginning of 1997. So that makes perfect sense that they would play one song uh, from each of their records because they were both kind of on this Whoa, little... Jenny. I, sorry, I needed to know. That's great. I, I hope we hear more from you like this about <laughs> music in the show. Well, I'll also tell you that like, oh my God, after you're done listening to this episode, go look up the music video for Sugar Water. Mm-hmm. I made Kristen watch it. And yeah. she was like, it gave me, it's giving me a headache well, because I didn't explain anything. Yeah, because the video is like a side by, it's like a side by side. And I'm going to just let you know in advance mm. that the the one on the left is moving forward mm-hmm. and the one on the right is moving in reverse. Yes. It, I, I didn't have any warning about what this video was. And so I'm trying to watch it. And I it took me the full first minute to even realize that they were going in separate directions. It's my bad. I really liked it. I, like, I'm going to go back and watch it again and I'm sure I will enjoy it but I was it gave me a pounding headache because I was like trying I was like trying to piece together what was happening in the video but also trying to piece together what was happening in the side bite like right right, you know it was a lot and like I didn't give you the information that you needed up front to like truly experience it the way it should be experienced (laughs) but but and I was worried after we finished watching it I was like oh Kristen hates cheap amato I like really fucked up oh no (laughs) but then I like Left the room, and one minute later, I hear Know Your Chicken playing, and she's, like, watching the video for Know Your Chicken, which is definitely a stranger <laughs> song and stranger video than uh, Sugar Water or Spoon. I would maybe maybe check out Know Your Chicken maybe after. Maybe you should check it out, I think, if you, you don't watch the video for it. Sugar Water. I, I didn't know. I think when we had Kate on the show, like, in here with us, Kate brought up the Chibomato episode, and I just played along like I also knew about Chibomato, <laughs> you know, but I didn't. I don't, I mean, like, I, I've i heard their name. I know they are a band. Right, right, right. But that's, like, as far as my knowledge went. So, um, yeah, this was my, this was, like, my first. Your proper intro. My proper intro to Chibomato. Oh, they're so great. Yeah. Check out their records. They're so great. They, anyway. they seem like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, cool. So then we're at the bronze, and here's a horrible moment. Oh no! Oh, don't. In the midst do of it. Xander and Willow don't. talking about how Buffy's kind of being mean, Ugh. Willow tries the ice cream on the nose trick, oh. and Xander ignores it and is mean. Oh, oh, it's just the it's worst. It's just so painful to watch. Who build such a cruel world? Oh, Willow. Oh, poor sweet Willow <laughs> with the really ice rough. cream on your nose. Oh, if, I know. Oh, my heart in a million pieces. Um, and then I guess we must cut to the lair, or to the, to, to not the, the lair, but the, um... The grave of the master. To the grave of the master, because my note is, God, the anointed one's tiny fucking turtleneck body. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't deal with the new, it's like, the old anointed, season one anointed one, he's like in a hoodie, like, he's probably wearing Converse, like, he's not, but like, in my mind, he's like, <laughs> Converse, zipped up hoodie, right. you know, he's Jeans. got like a little, like... Now he's like, where's his beret? He, yes, he has like a black turtleneck and black pants, and then like this weird, like, hair quaff that's happening. Yeah, yeah. 
so upsetting. A turtleneck on a tiny body like that is just, yeah. there's just something. You just interrupted him reading some poetry and eating a croissant. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, so the vampires are exhuming the skeleton of the master. And here are two things that need to be said. First of all, the vampire ringleader of this episode, whose name is Absalom, which I like because of the, the William Faulkner novel Absalom, Absalom, which is a beautifully written uh, novel that I read in college for wow. a Southern American literature course. Do you think that's where his name came from? I Probably, think so. Right? That's yeah. my vibe on it. So Absalom says to the vampire lady with the bangs, don't just stand there, dig. Meanwhile, he is just standing there. Yeah, well, he's like the top one. He's like top dog. Yeah, but he's like in service to the anointed one. He is, but it's like... I His hands like, are more important than everybody else's Well, hands. like, okay, because the master had the anointed one, right? Like, the anointed one was, like, the master's right hand, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so, of course, the master's gone now, and so the anointed one would have, like, a right hand. And I feel like that's Absalom, who I didn't know that person's name until right now. Right, right, right. Um, you know, he's there to, like, oversee and be, like, I also think he's, like, the strength of the operation, you know, right, like right, right, the anointed right. one is like the brains and, and he's the kind of brawn. Yeah. And the, he's like, like bloused, the... flapping, armed yeah. brawn. <laughs> Such an interesting choice. He kind of runs with his arms out to the side and some of his shrieking. Is... His shrieking is really serious. It's, he's like a man possessed, which I guess that's exactly yeah. kind of the definition of a vampire. But um, the second thing that needs to be said about the location of the grave of the master is that Giles, Xander, and Willow went into a graveyard and just added a grave. Yeah. They just went into a graveyard and they were like, we'll just put one in between these two other ones. Yeah. Nobody probably will notice. Also, I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I don't understand why they buried the skeleton. Well, I think there was like a, a ritual aspect to it, but 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 well, if, why wouldn't you destroy? Why it? wouldn't you? And that's and that is what Buffy asks Giles later right. in this episode is like, if you knew this was even a possibility, why the fuck did you bury the bones? Like, well, I think it's just that he was working with the best knowledge he had at the time, right? right? No, and I'm not but I'm not throwing Giles. We under certainly the bus. understand why Buffy's like WT fuck. Yeah, totally. So anyway, back to the bronze. Back to the bronze. Because now Chibomato's playing sugar water which is a beautiful song that i love so much and also happens to be the, the greatest song ever for like a montage of like betrayal extreme cruelty and like kind of well like sexy stuff or like attempted sexy stuff yeah also pleased as punch to see that angel is a chibomato fan i'm assuming that's why he's at the bronze because he loves chibomato yeah he doesn't say why he's there so but when when we <laughs> when we're first directed to his attention, the, the both times we watched Kiss and oh, I first I love him so because, hard because he whips his head around he, on the beat. He, the, so the, the song starts like with a spoken word part, right? right, right. And then the beat hits and in right, right, Buffy's shoe hits the ground right, right on the beat. Right, right. She has entered, she's wearing a slinky red dress with, you know, no back to it whatsoever. And she saunters in and then they cut to Angel and he whips around. They were like just on the beat. Yes, it's just so, perfectly on it's the so beat. dramatic and not suave and hysterically funny. Well, okay, this is like some prime jealous angel. Well, like, that's the net, yeah. Right? That's, like, all we see kind of throughout the episode, but especially here. It's just so, like, raw and great. And he's 
it's just it's no. Oh. Uh, it's really good. And and also something that's great in this moment is that so, you know, what's about to unfold is that Buffy essentially is going to use everyone against everyone else. It's the worst. Right? But She's also using like, so crafty. It's but it's horrible. The worst. The worst. Horrible. She's using Xander against Angel. She's using, you know, Xander against Willow. She like it's like yeah, everyone yeah. in the equation is hurt. Um, by this. Great job, Buffy. Great job, Buffy. But what is so beautiful is that the beat drops, Buffy walks in, we see Angel whip around, and then as she crosses the room, we see Cordy watching over the right, whole right, scene. Right. She's, she's not the... talking to any cordettes. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah. standing back and she's literally observing the scene. Yeah, taking some notes. Taking some notes. Oh my God. Then Buffy's all like, I've moved on to the living. Right. And it's like, oh, deep burn. And then Willow's like, what's wrong with Angel? And it cuts to Angel looking so bummed. So like bajiggity, you know? Super bajiggity. He's just then like... Buffy's like, I know what to do. I'll take Xander onto the dance floor. Listen, Xander and Buffy together on a dance floor is the worst chemistry I think I've (laughs) ever seen. They're two, they're, they're, it's like Xander and, uh, I think Nick Brendan and and David Boreanaz are around the same height. Mm -hmm. Maybe Nick Brendan is just like an inch taller, maybe. But like, for some reason, her with Xander looks so disproportionate. And he's mm. just kind of standing there, and she's like doing this weird shoulder, the shoulder roll, the dance, shoulder roll. Which, like, listen, you got to do what you got to do. And I'm not disrespecting anybody's dance style. I'm just saying that shoulder roll. Though. This particular incarnation, like whatever is being attempted, is not being achieved. No, I actually or, think I actually think that I think that something is achieved in this scene. I don't think that. Oh what, no, I didn't mean like. Well, but like I mean, I think that. I feel like what's being communicated, because I feel like they weren't like, hey, Sarah, can you be sexy? And this was what she did. You know what I mean? Right, right, like, right, right. I think that there was more to it. It's like she's she's sort of possessed. I mean, she's mm. she's not, but that's that's the next the theory right. that will come up. Right, right, right. She's right, not right. herself. She's acting so extreme in every way. Um, so she's dancing with Xander, weirdly. Willow and Angel are both so bummed. Then Buffy leaves Xander in the middle of the dance floor with what we can all only assume is a massive boner. Seriously, Jenny? Seriously! Take it back. You have betrayed... We probably just lost 400,000 listeners. (laughs) Should I I redact massive? (laughs) No! I'm gonna cry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But, like, I don't know how penises work, but I'm just assuming here... That if you were a teenage boy who was in love with Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then uh, she did that to you yeah. and then walked off the dance floor, you would probably be Right, and that's how she uses Xander against vulnerable. Xander, too. She literally gets everyone in this scene. Uh, and the look on his face really suggests something. But also the look on his face while she was dancing with him. Like, I felt like he was very aware of it the whole time. Right. He definitely wasn't like, oh, man, this is the best day of my life. Which is, you know what? For for some credit to Xander, yeah, like that's pretty serious. Like he wasn't just like you know what, fuck it. Like if this is the way I get it, this is the way I get it. He was like, something's wrong, yeah, and, and like I don't know what to do. Um, also, small note: if you go back and watch the scene, there's a beautiful pan, a camera pan, um, 
where it's going across the dance floor and it's sort of like you can see them dancing and then it goes like in front of bodies and I, I noted it as the uh, choker pan because he goes it like pans across a person <laughs> very closely and it's just their neck and they're wearing a choker and then it comes out the other side and they're dancing and I was like well if that's not a 1990s camera move wow you know choker pan a choker pan um, then Buffy leaves uh, just tons of chaos in her wake mm-hmm. and Cordelia follows her outside and when Cordelia steps in to tell you that you're being a jerk mm-hmm. you know that you must be fucking up right and also there's a great I, I don't know if this was intentional or not in the, in the show but Cordelia says in response to Buffy because Buffy's like oh are you nervous about like me being a better <laughs> bitch than you and Cordelia says I can hold my own and I just thought it was funny because that's like that's Buffy's message right, the right, whole right, time right. is that she can take care of herself she can hold her own yeah so anyway and then Cordelia Cordelia comes out to give her advice and Buffy's like fuck off and Cordelia's like fine I'll go dance with Angel then. <laughs> Love. But she doesn't get a chance to because uh, she gets carried off by some vampires. Before, no, before she gets carried off by the vampires. Can we just sit, can we just show some Cordelia love for this moment? Yes. Cordelia, I love you, Cordelia. You're perfect, Cordelia. Okay, so Cordelia, who we love, Cordelia, who is perfect, has just been carried off by the vampire crew and mm-hmm. deposited in the same holding tank where they apparently have Ms. Calendar. Yes, and Jenny, uh, upon first viewing this scene, said, kiss, kiss. Well, because what if they did? They, <laughs> m- they may never escape. This well, may be their last night on Earth. They should have kissed. And, and Although I, the student-teacher thing is a little inappropriate. Well, I... I bring this up because I I think it might there's a lot of potential sexual tension awards in this episode oh yeah right because obviously you you had a moment with Cordelia and Miss Calendar but there's also Giles and Miss Calendar there's also Xander and Willow there's also Xander and Buffy there's also Angel and Buffy there's also Xander Willow and the vampire right wow should we give it to them I like that idea okay our first Sexual, our first non-monogamous sexual tension award. And the first sexual tension award of season two. Going to Xander, Willow, and Vamp. <laughs> Beautiful. Congratulations to all. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> my next note is just Giles hates soda. <laughs> <laughs> well, Giles does hate soda. He drinks that Coca-Cola and looks like... Why did I do this to myself? Yeah, it's like a really, it's like the moment is so subtle and not, like, no attention is called to it. It's great. It's pretty great. Um, And then they're talking about how they think Buffy is possessed, maybe. Right. right? Or as Giles puts it, that Buffy might have issues. Issues. Why? What you Americans call issues. Issues. Uh, And then Buffy rolls up and is like, yo, the master's grave is empty. Yeah, and why doesn't, like, Here's the thing. I know that, like, they're students and, like, Giles is a teacher, but also we know that that's not actually their relationship. Why does Buffy see that the master's grave is dug up and go home and go to sleep and wake up in the morning and then come to school and tell everybody? It just seems like they're probably at a point where she would call Giles or go to his house or something. Yeah, Yeah, but they... Maybe don't have the budget for that set. Right, we, have, we haven't set. seen Giles' house yet. That's true. Um, so, so yeah. But anyway, she tells them now. Guess what? Master's gone missing. 
Dun, dun, dun. And then is it right just then while they're having this conversation that the big old rock comes through the window with uh, Cordelia's bracelet wrapped around it? Well, no, because I think I know I thought the same thing, but I, I feel like the conversation starts in the in the lunchroom or in the cafeteria. Right, right, right. Um, right, right. And then Snyder comes along and he's like, you're students right. and you have a job and, you know, that shit happens. And then he's like, mama, we'll talk we'll about, talk about trout in the library. Right, right, right. So then they go to the library um, and, and this is when The Rock comes through the window. And when Buffy's like, I could take care of myself. You guys are dumb. I can't look out for you and fight yeah. vampires at the same time. Meh, 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 meh. I hated that. That line, um, I, can, I can't look after the three of you anymore is like, Super shitty because um maybe you don't remember who saved your life like 40 times last season, Buffy. Yeah, maybe you don't remember who actually brought you back to life after you had been killed, but that was Xander. Right. Doing a great job. Doing a great job. Like, everyone is – but she is just – I mean, this whole episode is Buffy dealing with trauma, and so we will give her a pass, but I'm going to say it again. It was very hard to watch this episode because mm-hmm. – a character that I'm supposed to be rooting for is stepping all over characters that I love and feel very protective over. It's tough. So off she goes because she's being an asshole. Um, But Angel's following her in one of Sunnydale's many dark alleys. Yes, yes. (laughs) And he says, why are you riding me? Why are you... question. Riding me. If somebody's going to ask me that question, I would hope it would be David Boreanaz. Right? Or, well, Angel. Also, Um, like, later in this exact moment, like, in this exact scene, Buffy's like, come on, kick my ass. Oh, the worst! There's a lot of, like, stuff happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? But this, like thing where Buffy decides to try to get Angel to fight her. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious that she just, like, is trying to be the worst possible version of herself, and she's really applying herself to that pursuit. Right. Like, we get it, the trauma, and so on. But it is still, like, woof to watch. Girl. You know? but Because she isn't making, like, nothing is, like, really linear here for her. It's not like she's like, well, I must save the world. Because she stops just to talk to Angel and be like, you want to fight me? Let's fight. Like, she's just like. Kick my ass. All over the place. And so on. Okay. So. So. Brief interjection. Yes. Really noticing Angel's hair in this episode. Oh. Really being reminded that vampires can't see their own reflection. <laughs> really, really, really thinking hard about how his hair gets to be the way that it is if he can't see it. Well, he's probably, he's been doing it for like 400. His hair did not look like that 242 years ago. Yeah, like when does he, when do you think he decides to change his hairstyle? And when... Do you think he decides to make it that? What is it in this episode? Spikier? I mean, it's just like, I guess it's sort of more of the same, but I feel like everybody sort of looks like a slightly revi- uh, refined version of their season one selves. Right. Everybody right, looks right, like right. they like did the whole 30 and like got a haircut <laughs> in between seasons. <laughs> right. And I, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about it. I'm yeah. just thinking about yeah, it. He I, makes that happen. I'm he with can't you. see it. He made a choice to mm-hmm. like aim for that. It's a whole thing. All it's right. just one of the show's many mysteries that we can continue to discuss. <laughs> so, okay. uh, so of course, Buffy goes into this room and 
you know, vamp Cordelia. At the bronze. At the bronze, right. And this, like, Cordelia-resembling vamp is crying in the corner, and she's like, you can't fool me. I know you're not Cordelia. And then Angel is like, okay, There's that... The bait. Where's the hook? That's exactly what he says. Very good job. <laughs> um, and then they realize, of course, that the vampires have gone after Willow and, and Giles and Xander because Buffy has left them because Buffy's being... I don't know if you've noticed, an asshole. Kind of a jerk. Right. And um, so she runs back to the library. Xander is there, beaten. You know, his face is all bloody. Right, right. And he has fucking had it with Buffy. And he says, if they hurt Willow, I'll kill you, which Mm -hmm. is interesting because, like, Xander definitely could not kill Buffy. Yeah, but it's the sentiment, you know? Right, right, right. And I think it's that sentiment that really kind of, like, is one of the things that sort of, like, shakes her yeah yeah yeah. right like what are you doing and then so she takes xander back to um the bronze where this for a little vampire torture a little vampire torture and here's i would like to put in a formal request buffy can you please use the fucking clasp on your necklace to take your necklace off this is the second time in two episodes that you have ripped it off your neck. she ain't got time for class like how many chains are we gonna go through enough. It's just enough it's just okay. have some respect but also here's the thing mm-hmm. did you take note of um the lady vampire's uh, oral prosthetics. Yeah, they were weird. They were like her, the gums extended far below, the upper gum extended yeah. far below the lip bottom. Yeah. And then protruded out really far also. I wonder what that's a result of. Yeah, why? I mean, it was just a choice, I guess, because there was no explanation for that. But I did notice it. I did sure notice it. So my next question, because, right, they torture her, they find out where they are, which, like, also, come on, vampire. I really thought that she was going to hold it together. She didn't. She gave I it imagine up. if somebody was pouring, like, acid down your throat. Yeah, okay. You would probably be like, it's over there. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I would. <laughs> um, and then my question is, how long can you hang upside down before you die? Oh, a while. Yeah? I think so. I just want to know. If anybody knows how long you can hang yeah. upside down before you die. Please send us an email at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. And make sure it's right, because then I'm going to hang upside down for just one second less than you say. So you better be accurate. Nice. <laughs> yes, please be accurate. <laughs> uh, so she, they, they go to where the vampires are holed up, hanging, hanging her friends upside down, and she's all like... I'm going to kill them all. That ought to distract them. Right, <laughs> right. Which is a good moment. Yeah, great moment. It's a great good moment. moment. Then the ringleader vamp. Well, right. Because such a zealot. B- Buffy, the scene where Buffy kills the first vamp, is that what you're going to talk about? Or yeah, yeah, go that? ahead, go ahead. It's just so funny to me. Like, <laughs> she comes up behind the vampire, dusts him, and then is standing, of course, in his place, in that va- right. dead vampire's place. And it go cuts to what's his name? Absalom. Absalom. Who screams? Can we can we just put his scream in here? <laughs> wow. Okay. So I don't know why you would, I don't know why. I don't know why. That's all I have we to just say. know that it happened. Yes. <laughs> then he says, uh, after Buffy fights her ass off and dusts all those other vamps, he says, I'll grind you into a sticky paste. Yeah, and the next line, which I don't know what it is, but it rhymes with that line. Because I wrote down, does the lead vampire speak in iambic pentameter? <laughs> And I actually looked up all his dialogue before we started taping. We hadn't discussed this no. yet. But I had the same thought. None of his other lines uh, apparently rhymed. He just really went for that one. That was the one. Maybe he only, maybe maybe his last words are iambic pentameter. Maybe that's his deal. Because that is, I mean, I don't know. No, I'm just saying, I know, I'm just saying iambic pentameter. I don't think it actually 
checks out. Because uh, isn't pentameter... Uh, it needs that... more than two lines. And this is, I'll grind you into a sticky paste. Oh, it's missing a whole <laughs> it's syllable. It's missing a whole syllable. Oh, it's like the worst form of any... Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. We even did that to your ears. Um, Carry on. Anyhow, so Buffy snaps the candelabra. She sets him on fire. She uses the other end, I think, of the candelabra mm-hmm. to kill the other guy. Yep, yep, yep. And then Willow is like, it's over. And Xander is like, no, it's not. Um, right? No. Because Buffy has to go whack a master. Oh, boy. <laughs> What do you think about Did you? the term I just coined? Did you work hard on that? I did not. You it just came made to me it up in right now. Whack a master. Whack a master. One of the trivia facts that I read on IMDb uh, before we taped was that there's apparently I didn't notice this during our watch, but there's apparently a hand uh, like a one of the master's bone hands that only has the middle finger left on it. <laughs> that is, I guess, given kind some of, screen time. It's, yeah, and it's like aimed at Buffy. At one, yeah, at one <laughs> moment it's aimed at Buffy. Pretty great. So hopefully that was intentional. Um, I have a question Mm -hmm. unrelated to this specific episode, but we see it here. We've seen Angel fight vampires and don vamp face Mm -hmm. while he's doing it. And my question is, can vampires detect other vampires if they're not in vamp face? Do vampires know each other? Because, like, they... we we think they can like smell blood, right? We think right. maybe they're more sensitive to body heat. But than... there's an episode in season one where they where they specifically tell Angel to oh no maybe they tell him to put on his vamp face. Yes, I see. So I don't know. So an answer. yeah. So we'll just have to keep an eye. Yeah, and a fang on that. Yep, just one fang. <laughs> um. So Buffy, of course, smashes all of the master's bones, and, and it's... it's clear that she is received at least some of the catharsis that she desperately needed to yeah. help process her trauma. She's crying in Angel's arms. Everyone's looking on yes. knowingly. And then we cut to Cordelia, <laughs> who is so excited to have a new person to talk to about the most recent goings on <laughs> at the Hellmouth. What an ordeal, she says. <laughs> oh, she's so, she's like, oh my God, Jenny Calendar. After we made out in that, <laughs> after we made out at the bronze and then we got in that fight, it took me so long to get those rust stains out of my shirt. <laughs> Jenny Calendar is like, oh boy. Yeah, yeah, that really is the worst thing about being hung upside down by a clan right. of vampires that wants to drain you of all your blood. Uh, um, and then we see Buffy talking to Giles. She's scared to see her friends. Yeah, and Giles has another, like, dadly moment here. Best where, dad ever. Dad right? of the year. Dad of the year, where he's just like, you know, Buffy, This he tries to be comforting and says this isn't the worst mistake you'll ever make. Um, <laughs> but it's, but it's, I think that lands well. Like, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. And, you know, we understood that you were going through something very real here. Like, they were all there. They were all there with her. They all saw what happened and... Um, allowed, of course, for their friend to process grief and process trauma, which is what friends and watchers should do. Oh. Did you like that? I really did. I'm so glad. Um, so. Yes. Well, Xander and Willow saved Buffy a seat in class. <laughs> <laughs> they saved her a seat and then they start making jokes. Oh, oh And, like, the best kind of jokes, you know? Yeah. Because they, like, make, they're making jokes about the teacher, but then Xander's like, or we could just smash you know, the bones oh, our of our nemesis or whatever. Talcum powder. But gee, we did that last night. Right. And that's like, I just feel like that's the sign of a true friend is like when something horrible happens to you and you need to laugh and they know the boundaries, right? Like yeah. they know that, that the only way to actually get through this is to like 
call it out and make a joke of it. And he yeah. knows that. And they do that. And they're the Scoobies. I have, like, Scoobies! Exclamation yeah. point, exclamation point. And, and then... The- the the perfect synthesis, you know, like the coming together of their like personalities and the levity and the seriousness and mm-hmm. everything triggers that uh, most recognizable of television tropes, the inspirational piano yeah. song that enters uh, as we sort of like pan around them a little bit for like, you think the credits are going to come up, but it, they don't. But also before we leave this scene, this oh, yeah. orchestrated scene, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Yeah. One is that I really like that Xander is like, we should we should play mini golf. And then, you know, he gets shot down. And then you barely hear him. And he's like, how about mini tennis? <laughs> <laughs> so that got me. Um, but but more importantly, uh, very solid 90s outfits happening on all, th- well, all three of them. But Willow has a great outfit. Xander's wearing one of those shirts where the collar and the oh, button part is very white. Uh, I think that's just, a button placket. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I think, I think. Well, it's just very, like, it brought back memories, both of their outfits. Willow's shirt uh, looked like those, like, uh, Delia's thermals. I used to have, like, a million of them. <laughs> like, one with ducks and one with, oh, boy. you know. Just one like, with ducks. Yeah, just, like, patterns. But Buffy... Buffy. What is she? Oh, she has the sweater around her shoulders. But it's like not tied. How is it? It's it's just a sweater that mm, comes with the sleeves sewn together. It's for shoulder (laughs) wearing. It's like it looks like it's pinned together. I don't know. Is that a thing? I feel like I've seen lots of people, but I guess maybe I'm used to seeing them with them tied. Yeah, they're usually one sleeve wrapped in the other. So I don't know what's going on there, but I just had to call it out. I had to make Thank sure that you. it get its gets its due. Um, and then right, we're we're done with this scene. The Scoobies thank thank goodness are reunited. Back together again. Back to business, back to friendship. And then stupid anointed one. Yeah, stupid mini turtleneck. But he got he got a good laugh out of me. <laughs> When he's like, I hate that girl. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was a good delivery, anointed one. Wow. Well. we have anything else that we need to say about this episode? Well, we touched on sexual tension. We got the patriarchy. Yeah, those all the requirements are in. Uh, yeah, I think we got. Oh, I know. What? Giles got knocked out again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what do we say that is five? Yeah, because we miscounted last season. Yeah, we thought there were three, but there were really but four. There were four. Yeah, in season one. There were four from season one, and so uh, now we're at we're, now we're at five. All right, five knockouts for Rupert Giles. Beautiful. All right. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us for the first episode of season two. Yeah, thrilled to be back. So thrilled. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not watching Buffy, I'm usually writing and recording songs. You can hear them and learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering, where I've curated a little playlist just for you guys of my non-Buffy songs. You can also give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. I'm Kristen Russo, and you can find me talking up a storm over at my Twitter account, Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. When I'm not podcasting about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I work to bring advice, resources, and laughter to LGBTQ young people and their families over at everyoneisgay.com and mykidisgay.com. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter at BufferingCast and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BufferingCast. You can shoot us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com.
As always, you can support our work by leaving a review on iTunes for us or by sharing this podcast with your friends and loved ones who you think would enjoy it. Um, and we have a brand new way for you to support us. In season two, we have launched our own Patreon channel. Woo! Yeah, it's really exciting. We're found at patreon.com slash bufferingcast. And if you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a really incredible platform. It allows us to share all of our content um, for free. So like our podcast will always be up there for free. Um, any content that you were already getting, you will still get for free. Nobody panic. But what it also allows us to do is have levels of giving. And for each level, you get fun perks. So if you give a dollar a month, you get to come to the Buffy watches that we will be doing every few months and sit with us, watch Buffy together with us. We did one, um, on Halloween this past year. Mm -hmm. And so it's super fun, super great. Um, if you give at the $5 level, you will get the MP3 file of the song every week sent to you before the release of the full album. And I don't know if you know how many episodes are in this season, but there's 22. So it's going to be a little <laughs> so, while so before you the can, album's out. You can be patient and you can wait and totally understand. But if you're able to donate $5 a month, you will get those songs um, emailed to you and you can listen to them right away. And at the $10 level, you get all of that. So you're coming to the Buffy Watches. You're getting the MP3 files every week as they're released. And, and you also get the fun little songs, too. So if we ever do, like, a, you know, a Spike jingle, for example. Could happen. Foreshadowing. Um, you would get that as well. Uh, and with the $10 level, you also get 20% off of merch at all times. You get uh, Q&A videos from Jenny and I. Every so often, we'll come on. We'll open it up. Um, to questions that you can ask and then we'll make a little video in response that you can see uh, and you'll also get some bonus mailbag episodes um, we get a really good amount of mail from you all and um, we're going to do some extra episodes for those $10 a month supporters so go on over check it out patreon.com slash buffering cast and you'll also see that our union hall show is up there for free as well so if you want to go over there you can download it or stream it um, and check out what we were up to in Brooklyn last December Yes! And don't forget, you can grab all of our songs from Season 1 on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your digital music, or by heading over to bit.ly slash shop buffering, where we still have a few CDs available, as well as great shirts designed by Christine Tuna and great pins designed by our very own Fashion Watch correspondent, Kate Leth. Yes. And last but certainly not least, if you are in the Los Angeles area, come out and see us on February 2nd at Nerd Melt Showroom. You can find out more at nerdmeltla.com. Again, that's February 2nd. I believe it starts at 7 p.m. Uh, it's going to be super fun. I think if we're on track, we're going to be talking about Reptile Boy. Seems right. Um, live, and we're going to have Chris Farron with us as a guest. We're also going to have... Brittany Nichols. Brittany Nichols as a guest. Um, and we may have a, a one or two additional fun surprise guests with us as well. So it's going to be really fun. Come check us out. We like you guys. You're pretty great. We'll be back next week and every week forever with more episodes. <laughs> For literally forever. Forever and ever. These seasons are long now. <gasps> Whew. Okay. Till next time. Oh. oh. It was done, I went away ba -ba -da -ba -da. Left my friends behind and tried to forget Tried to forget Now I'm back, it's all the same
Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Mm-mm, not she. They, maybe? W- wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often? Every night.